You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. College football season right around the corner. For all those Pac-12 fans, feel free to get all of your Pac-12 news by following the Locked On Pac-12 podcast hosted by Cindy Robinson. There's no better place to get all of your conference news than following all of our Locked On Conference podcasts on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Thursday, August 12th, and we are now 89 days away from the start of college basketball season. There are only a few scores and a few dates that I have memorized in both Gonzaga and San Francisco Giants history, the two teams that I will root for until the day I die. One of those final scores that I probably will always remember is 89-87, to and that's where we continue our countdown today with the number 89. That 89-87 to final is the final score of the 2018 Maui Invitational Championship game between Gonzaga and Duke. The best regular season game in Gonzaga history without question, at least in my mind, and I think it's a top three game in the history of the program, regular season and tournament combined. It was their first win over a number one ranked team. It was their first win over Duke in school history, and it was a showcase to the entire college basketball world that this team deserved just as much hype as that highly touted Zion Williamson, RJ Barrett, and Cam Reddish Duke team. So let's talk about the game itself really quick. If I told you that Gonzaga had four players in that game scoring double figures, just off the top of your head, who would be your four guesses? I'll give you a second. Ruri Hachimura led the team with 20 points to go with seven rebounds, five assists, three blocks. Zach Norvell, 18 points, three steals. He had one of the best up-and-under layups the school has ever seen. And then Brandon Clark, he was in foul trouble, only played 23 minutes in the game, still scored 17 points and blocked six shots. And then there's the fourth guy. Wasn't Josh Perkins, wasn't Corey Kispert. It was Philip Petrushev. 11 points in 12 minutes of action, went four for five from the field, hit a big three, grabbed four rebounds, replacing the injured Killian Tilly, who was hurt to start that season. This whole game was truly unbelievably high-quality basketball. It's one of my favorite college basketball games ever. And Gonzaga won it, 89-87. to And that is where we start today's show with the number 89 because we are now 89 days away from the start of college basketball season. Come back tomorrow, find out what the number 88 has in store for us as we continue our countdown to opening night. Okay, today on the show, we look back the 2008 Gonzaga Bulldogs, and then we will finish the show with our Path to Playing Time series with some words on Andrew Nemhard, who looks to take a larger scoring role with the departure of Jalen Suggs. But we start today with the news and notes, and we will start with Summer League action from Wednesday. We had four different former Zags in action on Wednesday night, and I'll be honest, I did not have time to watch any of these games, so the everything that I am basing this on was highlights and box scores. So let's start with the Memphis Grizzlies. Killian Tilly did not start. I do not know why, but he came off the bench in this game. He played 19 minutes. He scored nine points, had five rebounds, three assists, and a block. It sounded like he took a... A little bit of a spill at the end of regulation, and it uh, looked like he was going to be okay, but it sounds like they were just precautionary with him and took him out, didn't play him at the end of regulation, and in overtime, the Heat beat the Grizzlies 97-94. to Hopefully Killian Tilly is healthy enough to play the rest of the Summer League. 
the Orlando Magic and Jalen Suggs back in action after his uh, electric first game of the Summer League, and he played very, very well again for the Magic. 16 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Uh, he was 6 of 13 from the field, 2 for 6 from deep. He had a couple electrifying dunks uh, that were all over social media on Wednesday night. The Oklahoma City Thunder, Ryan Woolridge got into the game after not playing in their first Summer League game. Ryan Woolridge, 16 minutes off the bench. He was 1 for 4 from the field. He missed his only three-point attempt. Yeah, He did not have an assist. He turned the ball over once, grabbed a rebound. So it's nice to see Ryan Woolridge getting some minutes in the Summer League. The Thunder lost to the New Orleans Pelicans 80-65. to And then in the nightcap, Joel Yai actually played uh, perhaps his best game so far in, what's it been, five Summer League games, I think, for the Lakers at this point. Uh, he started, but he only played 17 minutes. And I didn't understand this because this was probably his best game. He had 11 points on four or five shooting, hit three for three from the line, including hitting a technical free throw. And he had five assists to go along with a rebound and a block, no turnovers. He had a really, really good uh, baseline up and under drive, which we've seen a million times at Gonzaga. And for some reason, he played like five minutes in the entire second half, despite scoring uh, like six points really quickly. So I didn't understand uh, why he came out of the game, only played 17 minutes, as opposed to Mac McClung, who was in there for 23 minutes and, you know, missed almost every shot that he took. So uh, an interesting decision by the Lakers coaching staff. We'll see how much Ayayi plays here uh, over the next couple of games in Summer League. Coming up today in Summer League, we've got both Jalen Suggs and Corey Kispert in action. Uh, we also have the Spurs in action with Zach Norvell, but he has not played in four of the five Spurs Summer League games. If he does play, they're playing at 12 o'clock this afternoon on ESPNU. It's the Spurs and the Hornets. And then at 2 o'clock, it's going to be the Wizards and the Nets. Corey Kispert, uh, at 2 o'clock on ESPNU. And then at 4 o'clock, it'll be the Magic and the Celtics. Jalen Suggs on a back-to-back. We'll see how much he plays. Uh, and that game will be on ESPN2 at 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. We move over to the Women's FIBA U19 World Cup. As I mentioned yesterday on the show, Canada finished in last place in their pool because of tiebreakers and had to take on an undefeated uh, number one seed France team who had just been demolishing their entire group. Well, turns out Canada came ready to play and they upset France in the first round of bracket play, 79 to 72. Uh, it was a you know a pretty close game throughout. Canada took an early lead. France took the lead at halftime. Canada stormed back in the third quarter, and then it was a battle the entire way in the fourth. Gonzaga's Yvonne Ejim hit the go-ahead bucket with three minutes to go, and Canada held on 79-72 to to upset France and move on to the quarterfinals. Just an enormous win for Canada. Yvonne Ejim finished with 10 points on 3 of 6 shooting to go with 9 rebounds and a pair of blocks. So another solid game for Yvonne Ejim. And so now they move on to the quarterfinals, like I said, and they're going to take on an Australia team who finished second place in their group behind the United States. But the only teams that they've beaten have been a pretty poor uh, Egypt team, not a very good Italy team, and then an Argentina team uh, who struggled in the tournament. So I think Canada's really got a chance here to get to the semifinals. They are on the opposite side of the United States, uh, so they would not play them until the championship if that's how... Uh, the bracket uh, shakes out. In the uh, semifinals, if they were to beat Australia, they would play the winner of Russia and Mali. And if you remember, Mali beat Canada in pool play. So we'll see what happens there with Yvonne Ejim and Canada. Unfortunately, they play Australia at 2.30 in the morning Pacific time in the quarterfinals Friday morning. 
So uh, we will not be able to recap that that game for Friday's episode. So we are going to recap the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and the championship because all three of those games take place over the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So when we reconvene for Monday's episode, we will know what happens with Yvonne Ejim and Canada in the final three rounds of this tournament. So good luck to our girl Yvonne Ejim this weekend. Okay, that's it for the news and notes. Coming up, we reminisce the 2008 Gonzaga Bulldogs as we continue to hop Back into the time machine. Derek Rivio is now gone, but Gonzaga gets a fantastic recruiting class, probably their best ever at the time, and breakout seasons from Jeremy Pargo and Matt Bolden to keep the NCAA tournament streak alive. And then they ran into a buzzsaw named Steph Curry. We'll look back on the entire season here in just a minute. Okay, let's get real for a minute. There are a few things in life that just are not fun to talk about. One of them is excessive sweating. You know when you sweat through your shirts for no reason? It's embarrassing, right? I know this isn't life and death, and there are much, much worse problems to have in the world, but let's be honest, in the moment, it feels like a big deal. Nobody likes to pit out during an important speech or an interview or, God forbid, a first date. I'd much rather not worry about it. Now you don't have to. Introducing Sweat Block Antiperspirant Wipes. Sweat Block is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. They are doctor-recommended and doctor created right here in the United States. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed, then the next morning you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat. Guaranteed. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. No more pitting out, no more picking shirts based on which one will hide sweat better. It's been a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years with over 13,000 reviews. It's been featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show by firefighters, and like I said, it's manufactured right here in the United States. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code LOCKEDON or at Amazon and CVS. So that 2017 that we talked about yesterday was basically a rebuilding year. Gonzaga... Back in the mid to late 2000s, they still had rebuilding years, and that 2017 was a rebuilding team. It was a senior Rivio and Sean Mallon, but the rest of the roster was really, really young. So entering the 2008 season, they had a little bit more experience under them. It was a sophomore Matt Bolden, a junior year Jeremy Pargo, a senior year Pendergraf, another year with Micah Downs, Josh Heitfeld once he actually played um, in, uh, starting in January. But they entered a very, very talented freshman class. And it was probably the best freshman class that they had uh, entering school up at, up at that point. And it was led by Austin Day, the best recruit in school history uh, as of 2008. Of course, he's been passed a couple of times since. But Austin Day, a top, I think it was 35-ish at the time. But they also brought in Robert Sacre, and they also brought in Stephen Gray, who's a top 100 recruit. Three key players uh, to Gonzaga's success over the next five seasons. And on the back of that recruiting class and the strength of their returning players, Gonzaga actually entered the season ranked number 14 in the country in the preseason AP poll. They come out and they win their first four games against um, some mid-major teams. They lose against Texas Tech in a tournament when they bounce back to beat Virginia Tech. They beat St. Joe's on the road in overtime, which is a great win. And then they beat UConn, a really good UConn team who ends up getting a number four seed uh, in the NCAA tournament. They beat UConn in Boston at TD Garden, 85-82. to A huge game from Jeremy Pargo, 23 points and 5 assists. Matt Bolden added 19. And then came 
the ugliest basketball game possibly ever played inside the McCarthy Athletic Center, and that was the 51-47 to slog against Washington State. Washington State, led by Aaron Baines at the time, just a total, total disgusting slugfest. 51-47 to is just gross to say, um, but that's a lot of Tony Bennett teams. They held Gonzaga to a whopping 26% from the field. Yes, 20 Six percent. Austin Day went one for eleven. Matt Bolden went zero for nine. And despite the fact that Washington State turned the ball over sixteen times, it did not matter because Gonzaga shot twenty-six percent from the field. That would start a string of three losses out of five games for Gonzaga. They would go on to lose a neutral site game to Oklahoma in a close one, and then they would lose the battle in Seattle to eleventh-ranked Tennessee. But then they bounced back and they won fifteen of their final seventeen games. And this is late December, early January, which is when Josh Heitfeld um, was, you know, returned to action finally. They beat Utah at home. They beat Georgia at the Spokane Arena. And then they went into WCC play and they went 13-1 and in the WCC with their only loss coming uh, in overtime at St. Mary's. In the middle of all that, they also played at Memphis, who at the time was the number one team in the country and a team that went all the way to the national championship and should have beaten Kansas, but they couldn't hit a free throw to save their life down the stretch. They competed with Memphis pretty much the entire game. They lost 81-73. to Jeremy Pargo was fantastic in that game with 25 points. Josh Heitfeld added 13 points and 7 rebounds. But it was Derrick Rose who stole the show that night. 19 points, 9 assists, and 8 rebounds. So they entered the WCC tournament 24-6, and and the tournament is being held in San Diego because at the time they were still rotating to all the home venues. So the tournament's being held in San Diego. They win their first round, or not the first round, their semifinal game in a, another slog, 52-48 uh, to over Santa Clara. And then the San Diego Toreros, upset. I guess you can call it an upset. They're pretty even all year long, uh, but they beat St. Mary's in their semifinal game in double overtime, 75 to 69. So it's Gonzaga and it's San Diego for the WCC championship in 2008 in San Diego. And San Diego beats Gonzaga. They get four different players finishing in double figures. Gonzaga has just one. It's Jeremy Pargo at 22 points and Gonzaga goes 0 for 9 from the three-point line. They do not hit a single Three. They turn the ball over 15 times, do not hit a single three, and San Diego beats Gonzaga to get to the NCAA tournament. And this is the first time in the Mark Few era where the WCC, I believe it's the first time, uh, the WCC gets three teams into the NCAA tournament. San Diego gets in as a number 13 seed. St. Mary's gets in as an at-large, as a number 10 seed. And then Gonzaga gets in, of course, as another at-large, and they're a number 7 seed. Of course, they go on to lose to Davidson because Steph Curry played for Davidson, and this was the Steph Curry game. Stephen Gray did all that he could uh, at the time to counteract him, but Steph Curry was Steph Curry, and he beat up everybody in that tournament. He scored 40. He hit eight three-pointers. He was eight for 10 from deep, a historic performance from Steph Curry, and then he did it again, and then he did it again, and then he did it again, and then finally their run ended in the Elite Eight. But San Diego, they went on to beat UConn in the first round. That same UConn team that Gonzaga beat earlier in December, San Diego would go on to beat them and upset them as a number 13 seed, 70-69. to And this is one of only two seasons in the Mark Few era where another WCC school advanced further 
than GU in the NCAA tournament. 2008 was one of them. San Diego advanced to the second round, and Gonzaga lost in the first round. And then in 2010, Gonzaga lost in the second round, while St. Mary's advanced all the way to the Sweet 16 after upsetting number two seed Villanova in the second round. So shout out to the Toreros and shout out to Billy Greer because this was his first year as the head coach of the Toreros after leaving Gonzaga as an assistant. And in his first season, he goes further than Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament, which is kind of funny. I want to talk about the players on this team now because this is probably the most interesting roster that Gonzaga had up until this point because it was so different than anything that they had seen before. Every single season uh, up until this 2008 roster, Gonzaga had at least two and most of the time three or four really good big guys. They did not have that on this year's roster. They had Josh Heitfeld, but he did not start playing until January. So they really had Micah Downs, who's only 6'8". They used Pendergraf at forward, but he was only 6'6". Cuso was 6'9", but he really only averaged 15-ish minutes. And then they had Austin Day, who was 6'11", but wanted to play on the perimeter. So this was really the first season where they started to do a lot more four-around-one, four-out kind of motion. It was a lot of pass and screen away, pass cut away, um, those kinds of things with one guy either setting uh, middle ball screens or getting post isolations by himself. But it was very, very perimeter-oriented and far, far less high-low action, which is what we were accustomed to seeing the first you know, eight years or so of the Mark Fiera. So the team was actually led in scoring by Matt Bolden, who had 12.6 points. Jeremy Pargo was right behind him, 12.1 points. And then Austin Day, as a freshman, who actually came off the bench pretty much all year, he had 10.5 points. When Josh Heitfeld returned, he also had 10 points. Pendergraf had 8.5 points, 4.5 rebounds in his senior year. And then uh, Stephen Gray, as a freshman, had 8 points. Pargo, Pendergraf, and Bolden started every game that they played in all season long. But those last two spots were kind of up in the air pretty much all season long. They used Cuso for a while. They used Micah Downs. Eventually, Stephen Gray held on to that spot for the final uh, two months of the season. Sacre started a little bit. Josh Heitfeld, when he returned, started nine games. They started Austin Day once. They started Larry Gerganius a couple times. Like There were a bunch of different lineup combinations because this roster was so much different than anything that they had used uh, in their first eight or nine seasons with Mark Few because it was all perimeter-oriented. Um, so it was interesting to kind of see that shift uh, in the Gonzaga roster. And you'll see that again in 2009 because Josh Heitfeld, and we'll talk about this tomorrow, obviously Josh Heitfeld is back and he has a monster senior season. Uh, but with Austin Day, when he's on the court, he wanted to play more as a stretch big than he did as a 6'11 big man inside. So we'll talk about a lot of the similarities in style to that 2009 team tomorrow um, with this 2018 team today in terms of style of play because they did a lot of four round one uh, motion offenses as well. And then we'll talk about the ball screen sets that they like to run um, in this 2007, 2008, 2009 period as well tomorrow. I would say the final word here on this 2008 team is that there were only two seniors on the roster, and both of them were more role players than anything else in Pendo and Cuso, and they knew 
that uh, that 2009 team was probably going to be pretty dang good uh, with a senior year Pargo, a senior year Heidfeld, a junior year Bolden, another year of development uh, with Austin Day and Micah Downs and Stephen Gray. Like that 2009 team was set up to be loaded, and indeed it was. And of course, we'll talk about that tomorrow on the show. Coming up to finish today's episode, we are talking about Andrew Nemhard. With Jalen Suggs now out of the picture in the NBA, what can we expect with Andrew Nemhard at the helm full time? Let's try to break that down a little bit to finish today's show. Before we get there, today's episode, of course, is being sponsored by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. The NBA Summer League is going on, and you can bet on that. Plus, uh, preseason NFL action starts this weekend. It's the perfect time to get in on the fun, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. For the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website. Or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code Locked On. We're also being sponsored today by RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com All right, anybody who follows me on Twitter knows I said last season while watching Andrew Nemhard that I think he is the best guard Gonzaga has ever had in ball screen situations. And I still believe this. And adding Chet Holmgren into the mix next year is going to make him even more dynamic. The kid rarely ever makes mistakes. His passing and his timing are both absolutely incredible, and he knows also when to get to the rim himself or just pull up from 15 feet. His mid-range jumper last year was absolutely lethal. So I've got a couple stats for you that I think you'll enjoy. Andrew Nemhard is one of seven different Zags to have at least eight assists in an NCAA tournament game. He is one of three to ever do it twice. The other two are Matt Santangelo and Blake Stepp who did it in separate tournaments once in back-to-back years. Andrew Nemhard did it in the exact same tournament. He had eight assists twice in this past NCAA tournament. Here's another stat. There are only two Gonzaga players the last 15 seasons to average more than four assists and fewer than two turnovers in a season. Kevin Pangos, Andrew Nemhard, And their stat lines are remarkably similar. Andrew Nemhard averaged 4.4 assists to just 1.2 turnovers. Kevin Pangos had 4.8 assists to 1.3 turnovers. And now, with Jalen Suggs off to the NBA, the path to playing time for Andrew Nemhard is to hunt for his own more. 
He does not have to defer to Jalen Suggs or Joel Yai or Corey Kispert anymore. He can score 12 to 15 points a night if he wanted to. And you saw what he can do in the West Virginia game uh, early on last season when Jalen Suggs was hurt and he was hobbled in the second half and they needed Andrew Nemhard to step up and he was the primary ball handler the entire game. He scored 19 points and he dished out six assists. In the NCAA tournament, if you remember, uh, Creighton's head coach, Greg McDermott, he came out and said after the game that Creighton's game plan coming into that thing was to take away Jalen Suggs and Corey Kispert and purposely make Andrew Nemhard and Joel Ayayi beat them. Andrew Nemhard beat them. He came out and had 17 points, 8 assists, 1 turnover. And I think that is the Andrew Nemhard we are going to get this season. One who looks to score for himself much more than he did a year ago. And I think especially at the start of the season, he may be needing to do that out of necessity because maybe the freshmen aren't quite ready yet or Rashir Bolton might still be coming along or perhaps Dom Harris and Julian Strother are taking a minute to to find their footing still. It's going to be up to Andrew Nemhard to steady the ship from day one and looking for his own offense a little bit more may be the way to do that. And when I say that, I don't think him doing this is going to hurt his assist totals or force him to distribute the ball any less. I think I just mean that he is going to be the primary initiator all season long. He does not have to be the 1A to the 1 of Jalen Suggs. And I'm not honestly sure that there is even a 1A on this roster yet. It is Andrew Nemhard's show to run all season long, and he is the perfect maestro to operate it. Okay, that is going to do it for today's episode. We will be back tomorrow for another Gonzaga 5-Star Friday. We've got a very cool Gonzaga story that I will share at the start of the show that I think you guys are going to enjoy. If you have your own Gonzaga story that you'd like to tell, feel free to email the show or you can send it to me uh, on Twitter as well. Of course, we're also going to look back on the 2009 Gonzaga Bulldogs who absolutely could have gone to the Final Four if they were in any other region last year outside of North Carolina. We will also continue our Path to Playing Time series back on the women's side talking about Bree Salenbien, Gonzaga's highest rated recruit in women's school history. She's coming off major knee surgery, but assuming that she is healthy, how does she fit in with this Gonzaga women's roster next season? We'll talk about that tomorrow on the show. Before we go today, if you are a baseball fan, betting on the MLB does not have to be a guessing game anymore. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, please rate and subscribe to this show. Please, if you will, leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at scargo. That's at S-K-A-R-R-G-0. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Zags. If you want to email the show with any questions, concerns, Gonzaga stories, whatever you want, feel free to do so. LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Thursday. We'll see you back here tomorrow for another Gonzaga 5-Star Friday. It is a great day to be a Zag.